Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Many of you would have heard of a female soccer captain called Megan Rapinoe. Uh, she's the controversial American uh, captain of the women's side and uh, She's continued to face scathing criticism on social media uh, after a controversial claim. Uh, she, she hurt her Achilles uh, on the field six minutes into her very last game. And she said, when she hurt her Achilles and she sat on the field, she said, it's proof there's no God. In fact, to quote her, after she was labeled a disgrace on social media, she said, I'm not a religious person or anything. And if there was a God, like this is proof that there isn't. It's amazing how people tie the difficulties in life to the fact that God doesn't exist. Quite amazing. I've discovered that what she said is not unusual. Um, Many people can't handle hardship or suffering of any kind. And if they experience suffering or hardship or disappointment, then their conclusion is God doesn't exist. Because if he did exist, I wouldn't go through this kind of pain. Are you with me? I want to ask you, are you a believer who has been through that, who, who, who thinks there's a God and then they think there's no God, and then you think there's a God, then you think there's no God, and you go back and forth because of one thing, disappointment. And I think there are three things that many people just can't handle in life today, and as Christians, we've got to overcome this, is suffering, disappointment, and unfulfilled expectations. You will face suffering, disappointment, and unfulfilled expectations in your life if you are breathing and living. So you better learn quickly how to overcome them if you're going to be a strong Christian or it's going to influence your faith. And maybe this year you've experienced those three things, suffering, deep disappointment, and unfulfilled expectations. You expected God to do something, but he didn't. Maybe it's been a really tough year for you. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you lost hope. Maybe you you were disappointed because things didn't pan out as you fully expected and believed. It's almost as if you felt God was against you this year and circumstances conspired to attack you and discourage you and drain you. Maybe you feel as as though God has been uh, not on your side, but he's been opposed to you and you can't figure out why. What is it I've done? But we've got to learn how to move past disappointment. And sometimes we're surprised by trouble, but we shouldn't be. The late Joshua Loth Liebman, he's a rabbi who I've read, and uh, he wrote a book called The Peace of Mind and passed away quite a number of years ago. But he said this, he says, and they lived happily ever after is one of the most tragic sentences in literature. It is tragic because it tells a falsehood about life and has led countless generations of people to expect something from human existence that is not possible on this fragile, failing, imperfect earth. Unfulfilled expectations, disappointment, why? Because you expected something that you shouldn't have. You know, the disciples expected Jesus to be the Messiah that would lead them into political freedom, would free them from Roman oppression, usher in a new era, with a new economic system, a new religious system. And when Jesus was crucified, their hopes were dashed. They were deeply disappointed. And uh, they were walking on the road to Emmaus. I've been there and filmed there. And uh, 
they were heading away from Jerusalem and Jesus comes and appears and walks with them and they don't know who he is. And I want to read to you here just as I introduce the message today because we're going to get into an interesting book in a moment, a book called Lamentations. I'm sure you all read that in your quiet time. You go, thank you, God, for the wisdom that comes from Lamentations. I feel the joy of the Lord rise up in me. But we'll read this, Luke chapter 24, and, uh, and I want to encourage you, Jesus will come alongside you in your disappointment and give him time. He will show himself. And it says here, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? I want you to notice this. They stood still, their faces downcast. Whenever you face disappointment, suffering, or unfulfilled expectations, you've got to be careful that you don't stand still in the faith. In fact, they were heading in a wrong direction and standing still. And I'll give you the title in a moment. I haven't forgotten. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? In other words, haven't you read News 24? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. Here's the crux. But we had hoped. We had expected. We put all our eggs in the basket and it, ah, that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You see, at this point, they thought it was over because of their negativity, their disappointment. But I want to tell you, you've got to get to that place and then you've got to get a revelation of Jesus and you've got to turn around and go back to Jerusalem Change your direction and cultivate fresh expectations. We've had a long and difficult year. And so today I want to speak to you about replacing our disappointments with expectation. Replacing our disappointments with expectation. That's what the disciples had to do. We had hoped, but we will hope again. We had hoped, but we will hope again. Look at your neighbors, say, we had hoped, but we will hope again. You see, you had hoped to get a loan and you didn't, but you need a hope again. You had hoped to get a car, but you can believe again and hope again. You had hoped to get well, but you can believe God and hope to get well again. You believe for happiness this year, but you can hope again for happiness despite loss. And some of you had some serious things happening. Now we read the book of Lamentations. It's written by the prophet Jeremiah. It's known as the weeping prophet. And it's a concentrated and intense biblical witness to suffering. And God had judged Israel. He had been severe with them because of their disobedience. And we have five poems, uh, five lamentations of Jeremiah, written around 586, 586 years before Jesus. And he laments what's happened. But then in the end, there's a note of faith and a hope. How many of you know in the midst of all your trouble, there's still a note of hope? You've got to look for it and you've got to find it and you've got to believe for it. And in a moment, we'll read 18 verses of complaint and lament and disappointment but it ends with expectation. If you're making notes this morning, it's interesting to note that lamentations and, and the theme of lamentations is actually the heading that you find in Psalm 102. If you read your Bible, you're going to get those little headings. And Psalm 102 says this, a prayer of an afflicted person who has grown weak and pours out a lament before the Lord. That's a description of what we're going to read right now. Lamentations chapter 3 and the 12 things that Jeremiah experienced, maybe you can relate to them. I'll unpack them just quickly after we've read it. Maybe you felt like this. And I want to remind you, this is a man of God who felt like this. So maybe you can identify, say, oh, okay. 
if he felt it, I'm feeling it, and he had hope, there could be hope for me. And I can replace my disappointments with expectation. Notice in Lamentations 3 verse 9, he says, He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. He has hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. He has dragged me off the path and torn me in pieces, leave me helpless and devastated. He has drawn his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. How many of you are like, whoa. But some of you in the room are feeling like this. Some of you are thinking, God's been against me. He goes on to say, he has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away and I've forgotten what prosperity is. It's such a long time since I could meet my commitments. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I'd hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss in 2023. I mean, you can relate. Maybe you say, man, I didn't know the Bible actually explained how I feel. But here Jeremiah is explaining his suffering, and it's his feelings, not necessarily what God did to him, although God did judge the nation for their sin. And uh, if you're surprised at suffering, if you're surprised at difficulties, I want to just read to you uh, the author John Kusler wrote a good book called The Surprising Grace of Disappointment. And he says this about disappointment and, and suffering. He says, I used to believe that the cup of grace was a draft without bitterness. But what I once expected from my Christian life is some, uh, sorry, what I once expected from my Christian life is best summed up by the old worship chorus we used to sing. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I'm sure there are many older people here Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. When we got saved, we used to sing that. I think the worship music's improved quite a bit. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Some people hate the Christian contemporary music. I love the Christian contemporary music. I like lead guitar. I like loud drumming. I just don't like shallow words. That's the difference. We want to sing content. We don't just want to have a vibe. Oh, I love this song. Do you? Well, does the Lord? Moving right along. But he says here, let me not get distracted. You say amen. He says, since then, I've learned that the truth is more complicated. Some days are sweeter than others. Some are not sweet at all. Some days are just dull, and a few are more like a nightmare than a dream come true. That's what Jeremiah is saying. Life can be terribly challenging, and God could be in the very midst of it leading you. You've got to learn how to replace disappointment with expectation. Yes, 12 things he experienced. He felt that he had no openings or opportunities. I mean, you feel like that. He says, God blocked my way with a stone wall, closed doors, frustration. Could be disobedience that causes it sometimes, but this is how he felt. Second thing, there were many detours. He says, you made the road crooked. You feel like you've got to go this way, and you've got to go that way, you know, that way. And when am I ever going to get there? God is still busy with you, and you need to keep your expectation alive. He felt God was hidden. 
He says, are you like a lion and a, and a bear? You, you know, not only are you against me, but you're waiting to pounce on me. It's almost like I feel God is against me. And he prayed and no answers came. Then he lost his way. He was off the path with God. He kind of says, yeah, where are you? Uh, he feels this emotion and he almost feels like God's going to tear him to pieces. And he doesn't know which way to go. He felt pierced in his heart. Number five here, a very descriptive language. What does that mean? It's like a wounded spirit. Maybe, maybe some of your circumstances have wounded you. And you're sitting here today, maybe not on the outside, but on the inside, you're like, yeah. Like you don't know what I've been through. And you feel pierced, but God can heal you. And today can be a day of healing and recovery. Isn't that true? He says, yeah, I've drank the cup of bitterness and sorrow. When you think of the cup of bitterness and sorrow, how many of you know that what you ingest actually becomes you? And the more you take things in, when we eat food, it becomes us. You could end up becoming a bitter person because of so much that you've taken in that you've experienced. He says, I feel like that. I feel like I'm, I, I'm hopeless. I've, I've been so disappointed. And he, then, then he uses the words chewed on gravel. What does that mean? It's not like eating Hall's peppermints. No, no, no. Chewed on gravel is a Hebrew saying that means grinding of teeth. How many of you grinding your teeth at night? Been to the dentist and he gives you a mouth guard because you're so stressed and anxious. You're so tense, you don't know what it is, but it's eating away at you. Why? Because life hasn't worked out, business hasn't worked out, family hasn't worked out, and you're a Christian, and you sing songs of victory on Sunday, but on Monday, when you go to bed, on gravel. Can you relate to this? Because sometimes we think our, our experience is where we're like Megan Rapinoe who feels because I had this, God can't be real. No, he's very real. And he hasn't given up on you. You've now got to learn to get past your disappointments and replace them with fresh expectation. He talks about being rolled in the dust. That's being brought so low that you can't stand up. Rock bottom, if you like. His peace was stripped away. Joy has gone and there's restlessness and there's worry and anxiety. And then he says, prosperity was a, a distant memory. I can't remember last when we had extra. My credit card just keeps going up and up and up. And if that's you, don't raise your hand. Just look straight ahead. But you can get to feel like, you know, I hear this stuff at the offering. I hear these promises. We read these scriptures, but it's far from my experience. And I'm beginning to wonder if I shouldn't go to another church because if they're teaching, I'm not sure, you know. No, you've been disappointed. And he can tell you what it's like and he can relate to you. You can relate to him, but God's got something more for you. Amen. I mean, this is really bad. There's a dozen things that you can feel like. He says, my hopes were lost. In other words, I've given, given up expecting things to get better. I'm bitter beyond words. And then he says, it's an awful time I've been through. How many feel like the last year was an awful time? of grief and loss. I know people in our church who face grief and loss, terrible types of grief and loss, and you, you, you can feel so disappointed that this year has not turned out as you thought it would at the beginning. Remember, remember the beginning of 2023 when we, when we had all fresh hopes and expectation? And now we've experienced deep disappointment, but I want to tell you it's not over. And uh, here was a man of God who faced incredible suffering, 12, a dozen things that he felt, yet... He didn't have a pity party. you got to guard against a pity party. I love what Joyce Meyer once said. She said, I used to have a real problem with self-pity. Every time the devil would throw a pity party, I would attend. you got to move past that. 
E.A. Buccaneeri, is, uh, he sounds Italian, but he's actually an American author. He said, poor God, how often he is blamed for all the suffering in the world. It's like praising Satan for allowing all the good that happens. I want to encourage you here before I get into the positive, that serving God can bring challenges into your life, but they can sometimes be for God's glory, and they can be woven like you heard Pastor Chris share this morning. He came to me this morning and said to me, just running by the leading of the meeting, and I want to check with you if you're happy. I'm going to use Joseph and how he went down, 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 but how God, and I said to him, it's exactly what I'm going to be speaking about today, how we can go down, 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 but then we can go up. And I read a book by Charles Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll as he's known, Wisdom for the Way, and Chuck's written many, many great books. And he tells of a woman who was a missionary, Helen Rosevear. She was a doctor of, uh, a medical doctor, and she was a missionary in the Congo for 20 years, from 53, 1953 to 1973, uh, during the uprising of what they called the Simba rebels, those of you from the Congo would know. And her faith in God and her trust in God was incredibly strong. She was a very committed woman, but sadly she was kidnapped for five months and she was raped twice while she was kidnapped and she was assaulted and treated brutally. And she says this of her experience. I want you to realize that life is not always easy if you're struggling with it today. During the wild panic, horror, and unknown fear, suddenly there was God. I didn't see a vision, I didn't hear a voice. I just knew with every ounce of my being that God was actually vitally there. He surrounded me with his love and he seemed to whisper to me, 20 years ago, you asked me for the privilege of being a missionary. This is it. Don't you want it? It was as though he clearly said to me, these are not your sufferings. They're not beating you. These are my sufferings. All I ask of you is the loan of your body. She said an enormous relief swept over me. In commenting later on her experiences, she said, I must ask myself a question as if it came directly from the Lord. Can you thank me for trusting you with this experience, even if I never tell you why? Do you get that? Chuck Swindoll in the book says, what a profound thought. God trusts each one of us with our own set of unfair circumstances and unexplained experiences to deal with. Maybe that's been you this last year. Say, how could this happen to me? But can you trust him even if he never tells you why? Hmm? She went on to write a biography, and the name of the biography is Give Me This Mountain, and he gave us a valley. <laughs> that's disappointment. But she pressed on and served God. And I think that's the spirit we need. In the face of reality and suffering, we've got to cultivate new expectations in the face of disappointment. Jeremiah did that, and I want you to pick up with me now, because I purposely didn't read it all in one. But we pick up in Lamentations in verse 21, and he says, and I love this word because it's, it's almost Russian, yet. Look at your neighbor and say, yet. It's an important word because it's like our butts. They block God's plan. But here, yet opens the door for something else. da 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 yet. Hmm? And he starts to talk faith. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. After that, that, that dozen things, yes, his mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. 
His mercies begin afresh every morning. Now note this, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Do you talk to yourself ever? Sometimes you need to. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. In this short passage, we see seven ways that we can cultivate expectation after deep disappointment. Because it's expectation that makes a difference in your life. In fact, Horace, you all know Horace? He was a great prophet during the time of Augustus, the Roman Caesar. And he said this, he said, life is largely a matter of expectation. It is. Your expectations are very important. And you can't allow them to be destroyed through disappointment. You've got to cultivate fresh ones. We're coming to the end of the year now. Don't wait until January. Start now already. This year's ending, okay? I'm going to stop putting it beside. I'm going to have a break. I'm going to have a rest. But now I'm expecting something great in the year ahead. Frank Sonnenberg wrote a very good book called uh, Leadership by Example. And he rightly observed, he said, your expectations don't just influence your destiny. They determine it. So let's look at some expectations here. Just seven, very briefly. Dare to have hope for the future. You've got to dare to. Yeah, but I've had hope before. No, dare to have hope again. He says, I dare to hope in spite of all this. How do we have hope? By remembering the character of God, despite our disappointing experiences. The late Dr. Robert Schuller puts it like this. Let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. Let your hopes, not your hurts, shape your future. And so despite trusting God, despite being disappointed like the disciples on the road, we may have stood still, now we move forward, we change direction and we trust God. Proverbs 23 and verse 18, there is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. Doesn't matter how many no's or discouragements you've had, you need to expect God to do something amazing. There have been people who are not even Christians who have expectation that's greater than ours. And here we are like Christians, pity party, uh, I don't know what the Lord wants. No, you need to cultivate, so dare to hope this morning. Dare to hope. Jamie Simonoff, is a young man who went to what's called Shark Tank. He, you know, Shark Tank is where you have investors and you present your ideas and then they invest in you. And he presented this, uh, this doorbell called Doorbot. And Doorbot was a, a concept he developed in 2013. You ring the bell and a camera comes on and it goes straight to the person's phone. So if they're not even at home, they can see, ah, someone at my door. Then they can answer it and talk to you as though they're inside. And it prevents people from breaking into your house and so on, an incredible invention. Only one of the sharks wanted to invest in it, but he believed that the thing was big and it would take over the world. And this guy offered him $700,000. You'd think he would have grabbed it. He says, no, I'm, I'm daring to hope for bigger. Well, by 2018, he developed a company called Ring, as you can see on his T-shirt. And Amazon bought the doorbell and the company for $1 billion. See, your initial disappointment should not keep you from expectation. Dare to hope. Number two, the second thing we need to do is remember that God has not stopped loving us. God has not stopped loving us despite the circumstances. I love what Rick Warren says about God's love. He says God's love is like an ocean. You can see its beginning, but not its end. And things might have been really bad, but God's mercy is still there. The fact that we're still alive means God's been merciful. Isn't that true? 
The faithful love of the Lord never ends, he says. And in Lamentations 23 verse 22, in the NIV, I've been reading from the NLT, the NIV says this. He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. In other words, we haven't been burnt up. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In other words, it could have been worse. We could have been consumed. You think God's against you. Well, you're still alive. And don't forget, remember, God has not stopped loving us. Matthew Henry, in commenting on this passage uh, and, and this phrase, we are not consumed. You know, he's the great Bible commentator. Some of you need to read him, 16th century commentator who just profound insights into the Bible. He says, the church of God is like Moses' bush, burning yet not consumed. Whatever hardships it has met with or may meet with, it shall have a being in the world to the end of time. It is persecuted of men, but not forsaken of God. And therefore, though it is cast down, it is not destroyed. He quotes 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 9. Corrected, yet not consumed. Refined in the furnace of silver, but not consumed as dross. Our tough times are not there to destroy us. Our tough times are there to refine us. And God has not stopped loving you because of what you've been through. That's why you need to expect from him. Again, number three, God's faithfulness and love are greater than our experience or our experiences. See, sometimes our experience becomes the rule of life. No, no, no. Pain and suffering might be terrible experiences, but God's faithfulness is greater than that. The Lutheran pastor that you may have heard of, Helmut Thelicke, he was uh, preaching and alive during World War II, and God's people went through terrible suffering. He saw the Jews suffering. And uh, he saw the terrors that his own congregation faced at that time. If you read his writings, pretty profound. And he taught his church this. He says this, in, with, and under the world's anguish and distress, in, with, and under the hail of bombs and mass murders, God is building his kingdom. In other words, all the stuff that you're experiencing around you can make you think there's no God. Even your Achilles on the field in front of all your adoring spectators, God is still building his kingdom. And so God's faithfulness and love are greater than our experiences. Number four, God is good, so we must expect good from him. That's what Jeremiah is saying. He's saying God is still good. No matter what I've been through, no matter how I felt about the way I was treated, maybe I even felt God was like a bear and a lion ready to pounce me. But this one thing I've come to my senses, God is still good. And I'm going to expect good for him, from him. Earl Nightingale says we tend to live up to our experiences. See, what you expect, sorry, up to our expectations. Let me say that again. Earl Nightingale, you all remember Earl Nightingale? He used to interview kids on the radio, funny man. Um, and, and a great program to have listened to. Those of you who remember Springbok Radio, uh, yeah. <laughs> Some of the young people are like, what? But Earl Nightingale said this, we tend to live up to our expectations. You see, you will live up to what you're expecting. So we must expect good from God, and we must look for him and depend on him. A.B. Simpson, the Canadian preacher and author, said this, the larger the God we know, notice that we must know him, the larger will be our faith. The secret power in our lives is to know God and expect great things from him. See, despite what Jeremiah had been through, he knew God was good. But I've gone through all these experiences. Yes, but you're still alive and God loves you. Oh, gee, it seems impossible. Okay, I've got, I've got back my bearings back. God is good. And because he's good, I'm going to expect great things from him. 
We must cultivate expectation. Number five, God is the God of a better and new season. Do you believe that? 2024, even if another virus should come. Verse 23 of Lamentations 3, he says his mercies are new every morning. God gives you a new chance every day. Surely he'll give you a new chance every month. Surely he'll give you a new chance every year. And we can start afresh. And even though you feel weary, God has not run out of mercy. He is the God of the great reset. And we can start again. We can put one season behind us and start with another. Number six, our mouths must create our expectations. You'll notice as we read, he said in verse 24, I say to myself, we've got to start speaking expectation. Speak about our inheritance. Speak faith, not negativity. Speak faith, not just our experiences. We're living in a very, very difficult climate and country, and we've got to declare God's plans. We've got to use our mouths correctly. And you know the best way to use your mouth when you're going through hardship is to pray. Hear me? Not moan at God. Pray. Not, oh God, here I am again. You haven't done, and I've been waiting. And I wonder if I'll ever meet someone. And I wonder if you'll ever bless me. And I wonder if my church's doctrine's right. But anyway, God, no, we need to speak and pray big prayers. Someone once said, don't expect a 50,000 rand answer to a 10 rand prayer. <laughs> but pray big prayers. Use your mouth. Ask God and expect big things. And our mouths must create our expectation. See, James says it like this when you ask. You must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. See, your mouth will shape your expectation. And we must speak and create our expectation. And lastly, don't stress. Rest in God's peace. The peace of God is a valuable thing, and the devil wants to take it away from you. And Jeremiah experienced the loss of peace. But then he talks again here. And he says that he's experienced peace from God. He says, so it is good to wait patiently for salvation from the Lord. When you wait patiently and quietly, you, you, you trust God and you expect him to do great things in your life. I don't know if you realize it, but the Bible points to the fact that we will have stress. And that stress is a part of our lives. 2 Timothy 3, in the last days, times of stress will come. You notice that? It's warning you. Jesus said in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Watch this. In the world you will have what? Tribulation. That's the Revised Standard Version. But take heart. In other words, don't stress. I have overcome the world. I don't know if you know what the word tribulation means. It comes from the Greek word thlipsis. Thlipsis. T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. Thlipsis. And it means this. Great emotional and spiritual stress, stress, burdened, crushed. So Jesus warned us. But in the midst of that, we need to have expectation and peace. Oh, aren't you? Do you realize what's happening in South Africa? Yeah. Have another cool drink. Come, let's eat. Praise God for next year. Aren't you experiencing the load shedding? Yeah, I've been trying to put my aircon on for days and... Batteries are running flat. I'm frustrated. We're on, on, we're on level six again. Yeah, come have something else to drink. Come look here. There's some nice pizza here. Come have have, a, have another chop. Don't let your peace be stolen. 
see some of you, some of you are clapping, some of you are like, it's like positive talk. Yeah. Do you know what thlipsis actually means? It's actually the term used for crushing grapes. So he's not, Jesus is not saying, you can, you can have a little bit. And you go to Santa, it's going to be quite crowded. There's going to be quite a queue of cars. No, he's not talking about this. He's talking about being crushed. He's not talking about inconvenience. He's talking about pressure. Pressure. Can you live under pressure and still have expectations? And still have your peace? Come on, it's time to cultivate something fresh and for us to move ahead. Augustine of Hippo, as I close you this morning before I pray with you, he says this, and I want you to just pay attention here because this requires you to think. He says, time is a threefold present. Not a gift, present, but now. Watch. The present as we experience it. The present as a past memory. And the future as a present expectation. To read that again, it's pretty powerful. Time is a threefold present. The present as we experience it, what I'm going through. The past as a memory, and I'm thinking about it now. But then the future as a present expectation. What are you expecting from next year? Well, who knows? You know, at the rate this country is going. No, 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 no. We're kingdom people. We have to, like Jeremiah, look at it in the face, list the dozen things that are there and freak us out and then go, but yet. And then no one's stealing my peace. I'm going to expect favor, prosperity, blessing, increase, God's new mercy. There's going to be brilliant opportunities. The future for me as a kingdom citizen is going to be great. You've got to begin to believe God for that. How many of you say, I want... I'm going to cultivate my present expectations now. I'm not waiting till January. Put your hand up if that's you. Yeah. Let's start to think during the whole of December what God's going to do, what we're going to trust Him for. Start making a list. Write down prayer requests. This is what I'm going to pray for. I'm praying this. No, I'm praying bigger than that. No, I'm praying, big, no, I'm praying bigger than that. No, 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 no. I'm praying bigger than that. And then remember, James, if you're double-minded and uncertain and you let those experiences of disappointment rule you, don't expect anything from the Lord. But if you can put them aside and replace them, God can do something amazing. Can you say amen? We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.